The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana. Celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today, and also thank you to those who might be listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Also, thank you to those who might be listening via the Radio Pup application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the use and abuse of alcohol and drugs and hopefully ways to treat and reduce these problems in our area and throughout the nation. So stay tuned to this show for some very interesting and beneficial information. It is Saturday, February the 3rd, and we are broadcasting our show for the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the February issue of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. As always, if you're unable to find a copy of one of our locations, remember, you can always go to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues, as well as copies of our silver pages, as well as listening to previously broadcast radio shows of the Best of Times radio hour. The mini medical school is scheduled to take place Tuesdays beginning on March 6th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. And they will continue for three more Saturday, uh, three more Tuesdays, excuse me, on March 13th, 20th, and 27th. This program was launched in 2012, and it's a very popular program, giving, giving community members like you and I an inside view of the medical school as they learn from LSU Health, Health Shreveport's faculty. The classes, again, will begin on March the 6th and continue until March the 27th. The cost is only $40, includes a white lab coat for each participant. For more information, do call 675-8789 at 675-8789. The Best of Times is in its final stages in working on its 16th annual edition of Silver Pages, the only comprehensive senior boomer annual resource directory in the area. It highlights businesses, organizations, and agencies in northwest Louisiana with over 4,000 listings. It is the prime guide used by seniors, boomers, and their family members to make informed decisions about the many choices they have. March 1st is the distribution date for the 2008 Silver Pages via mail-out, via pickup at our 522 distribution locations, and of course will be available at many events, senior events, and other events in the area during 2018. It will also be available from our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com and on a special app for Apple and Android devices. If your business wishes to be included in our Silver Pages, 
please contact me at Gary, G-A-R-Y, period, Caligas, at C-A-L-L-I-G-A-S, at gmail.com. The deadline is February the 12th. There is an upcoming AARP Safe Driving class, and that will take place on Friday, February the 9th, from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. For more information about this, do call 681-0869. That's 681-0869. Remember always to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for announcements made during today's radio show, as well as as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tending Country, a Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tony Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Dr. Kent Dean, who is the Director of Clinical Development with the, with the Council on Alcoholism and drug abuse for Northwest Louisiana. And he's here to discuss the use and abuse of alcohol and drugs, primarily with seniors. Is that right, Kent? That's right, Gary. Council on Alcoholism, et cetera, is a mouthful. We usually these days just call it CATA oh, well, for obvious a- reasons. Acronyms. Well, back yeah. in my days, the government, we had a massive book of yeah. acronyms. And it was, you know, you required a new employee to learn all these thousands and thousands of acronyms. And that would shorten your presentation or your written document, right? Mm-hmm. That's right, and it makes our logo more, more, uh, I guess, memorable. Memorable. Except that's C-A-D-A. But you also have to have in fine print so people would know, that they would think that's a... That's right. That's a, a bug, a CADA bug. Is there that such a thing as a CADA bug? <laughs> that's right. So tell our listeners about what what is your mission. Well, CADA's mission is to basically to spread the word about addiction and the, the statement says that we are about, a, it's a nonprofit, of course, a 501c3. Uh, we've been providing substance abuse services, believe it or not, in referral since 1958. We're wow. celebrating our 60th year this year. That's right. And I personally have been associated with CADA on one way or the other since the early 80s. Uh, so I'm really proud to, to be full-time there once again. I, I used to be. And it's like coming home. Um, Good. So in 1986, we uh, CADA shifted their emphasis from just information and referral to actually providing treatment services. And to the point that today that we offer pretty much every kind of addiction treatment there is, every, every uh, modality. And we're going to talk about where that's happening. It, it, it's happening within your facilities and out in other places, correct? That's right. We have several facilities at our uh, headquarters at 2000 Fairfield. We offer all kinds of outpatient treatment. Right. And then we have a, a, um, a residential inpatient program in Bossier City. And then we also have a program for adolescents uh, in downtown Shreveport. So so the, the, the purpose, and, and so many words or less, is to help people... If they determine themselves or a family member or they're referred there, correct? That's right. Well, any, any or all of those. And, and, and I think my listeners out there, because we have listeners in East Texas and Arkansas and throughout the United States, your responsibility is only for 
people in Northwest Louisiana, right? There are other there are other agencies like this in other parts of the country. There are, although we certainly can collaborate with other agencies in um, our catchment area. So why? Pretty much anyone uh, is not going to be turned away just for inability to pay. But we take all kinds of insurance and Medicaid. Wow! In fact, if somebody qualifies for Medicaid but does not yet have that, we can help them get on the program. No, well, that's a great service as well. So you're located at 2000 Fairfield. That's right. And there you have your outpatient programs, and then you have other other adult residential places throughout the area. That's right. So explain to our listeners what do you offer. Well, it's a, it's really a depends on what the person needs when they call and, and what their needs are assessed as. Uh, if somebody comes in and their, their living situation is completely chaotic or they're still under the influence or uh, if they are uh, under the under the gun of some kind of detox uh, or withdrawal, we help them with that at the Bossier facility. And then if they have no structure in their life, if they're constantly bombarded by triggers to drink and use, if their family's not supportive, uh, for a lot of other reasons, they may well qualify for inpatient uh, treatment. And then once they complete that, then they can step down, as they say, to intensive outpatient, which is over at Fairfield, and which meets typically nine hours a week uh, by law. That's what an IOP is, Mm -hmm. intensive outpatient. But we also offer individual sessions at the 2000 Fairfield office. So the individual counseling sessions that you will counsel with the individual about steps that they should take to to get off of this abuse. That's right. And so what's the cost of the services? Well, again, we take a lot of different kinds of insurance and Medicaid, uh, self-pay. We can uh, oftentimes work out a contract with the state to help pay for services. But again, if someone, if, if all else fails, we'll treat people. Because oh. we don't turn anyone away just because they can't pay. That that's awesome. And and I, I should know this, but I don't. I don't remember being out of the Medicare program for so long. Is it a Medicare covered services? Or well, for Medicare people, it's Medicaid. Medicaid, but what about Medicare seniors? Uh-huh. Huh? Really interesting. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, the other aspect. Uh, is uh, so why does in self denial why doesn't a person um, uh, uh, say I'm just going to stop myself I'm going to try to stop myself well do, do they course, do they say that first it is and it sounds plausible I mean you would think that somebody who is noticing themselves that they're having a lot of trouble with chemicals would in fact just stop and there is a group of people who can do that if they're just abusing the substances that can create real problems. But the person hasn't fallen into the trap of addiction, at least not yet. So if they put their mind to it, they can, in fact, moderate their their use and stop. But there's, of course, a lot of other people who can't do that because they have a genetic uh, background that creates addiction and other factors that come into play so that their body and brain actually respond differently to chemicals than than other people would. I'd ask our listeners to... uh, conceptualize being really, really hungry. I mean, you're just famished. And if you amplify that times many times over, then that's what it's like to have a craving for alcohol or other drugs if you're an addict. And that craving uh, is not something that other people experience. So it's it's really kind of hard to describe, but it's a, they call it drug hunger. And that's, that's a pretty good uh, analogy, I think. So how does someone become aware of it when there's a problem, there's a, you know, I'm going to again say, I think there's going to be a lot of denial. No, I don't have a problem. They're, they're right. Almost their family. And so what's the steps there that a family should take for a loved one or a family member or a friend? What should they do? Well, you're quite right. The 
first people typically who notice that there's a problem are not the addict or alcoholic themselves, but people around them who care about them and are at a, some capacity to to gauge their current functioning with what they used to be like in the past, and will typically see some deterioration in functioning, sometimes a lot. And so typically family and other loved ones will be the first to notice it. And then at some point it will get severe enough that even the alcoholic or addict can see it, even though they may not want to acknowledge it, they can still see it. And at, at that point, uh, then they can get some help. If there's the slightest glimmer, well, what we say, if, if, if you even think there's a problem, call us. Because where there's the slightest glimmer of motivation, we can work with that and help someone uh, into a solid recovery. So, so these sorts of, the problem of being in drug abuse or alcohol abuse probably has to have an underlying situation, why, why this is occurring, right? They just don't. There seem to be a few factors that, that go in to create that, what's the cliche, a perfect storm to right. create an addict. One is apparently genetics. Uh, this is a biogenetic really? trait disorder. That's right. Okay, I didn't uh, know the that. The vulnerability to develop a problem is what seems to be inherited, not the addiction itself. But then a family situation where there was some sort of trauma, could be abuse, could be neglect, abandonment, could be all of those things. Uh, and then, of course, exposure to the chemical uh, itself is necessary to develop an addiction. If someone has all the other factors, but for whatever reason they never use alcohol, for example, then they can't become an alcoholic because they haven't uh, exposed their body to that chemical. Well, what about family relations? If they're having bad family relations with the spouse, a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, and they that they t- don't they tend to possibly drain out their troubles by drinking and, and taking drugs? That's right. And, and whereas anybody might do that if they're under some sort of really intense stress, the difference is, apparently, it's, is that somebody who is uh, genetically vulnerable to become an addict will take that same behavior and then find that it pulls them into an addictive spiral, whereas somebody who doesn't have the genetics may have a sense of what you might call immunity to that. They're still stressed and they're still not functioning well, but they may not develop the problems with addiction that an alcoholic or addict... It doesn't become habit-forming? Is that what you're trying to say? That's the general idea. And that that is my... It's incidental. It's it's incremental, you might say. It's one time, two times, but it doesn't recur again, right? That's right. And, of course, part of the problem is with the word addiction itself, it can mean a lot of different things. It has specific medical meanings, but the way we use the word generally is is fairly informal, so that if someone is having um, a lot of serious substance abuse, as they used to call it, then that might be construed as addiction. But in the in the in the real sense, addiction involves the, the uh, development of the tolerance to a chemical, where it takes more and more to get the same effect, and withdrawal if you take the chemical away suddenly. Uh, of course, some chemicals do that intrinsically, such as opioids, which I know we're primed to talk about today. Yeah, uh, opioids can create that in anyone who takes them long enough. Well, we'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio so possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Dr. Kent Dean, who is the Director of Clinical Development of CAD, that's the Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse for Northwest Louisiana, and he's discussing the use and abuse of alcohol and drugs. So, 
Dr. Dean, the other aspect we were talking about getting uh, involved with clients to help them when they come to see you. So what? Uh, so what is the the part of the treatment plan that these these clients collaborate with the, with the therapist? Well, when somebody calls in, the first thing that happens is that they're assessed to see where we think they ought to be in terms of the continuum of care. Uh, the American Society of Addiction Medicine, or ASAM, has what they call patient placement criteria. And depending on the person's current situation, those criteria would suggest that they need to be, say, an inpatient or residential programs or maybe outpatient. It just depends on how they're doing when they, when they call us. But once they're in services, and are assessed, then regardless of the modality, whether it's inpatient or outpatient, we're going to help them develop a treatment plan, which is basically the answer to the question. When I do my own therapy, I'll ask my patients, what can I do to help? You know, that's my usually my first question to someone is that. And what I'm really asking them is why they're there. Because obviously if somebody's not having some sort of problem, they're not likely to come see a mental health professional. Uh, so we find out first why they're there, what the presenting problem is, as they say. And we try to get it in their own words. Do you pull it out of them? I could see that some of them wouldn't, wouldn't you, be, you, be you, very vocal. You might think we would have to pull it out, but the truth is by the time people get around to getting some help, they're, they're generally all too willing to tell us what the problem is. Now, they may or may not have a clear picture of their addiction as of yet, especially early on if it hasn't developed to, say, end-stage problems. Uh, it may be a little tricky for them to see that there is a problem. But, of course, we have techniques and instruments, uh, verbal instruments and questions that we can use to help ferret that out. But whatever the presenting problem, we then will come up with a series of action plans to help that person address the problem, to deal with family problems, uh, to deal with what they call psychosocial problems, which are problems in everyday life that really everybody faces, but which are generally exacerbated when you have some sort of mental or brain-based illness like addiction. Um, and so our, our treatment plan is kind of the blueprint for what we do to help that person resolve the question that we asked him at first. Uh, I'll ask somebody, what can I do to help? And they'll say, well, I'm having trouble with alcohol. So the treatment plan basically are the steps that we help them take to resolve that. Now, by resolve, I don't mean cure. Uh, like most mental illnesses, uh, addiction is not curable. But we can certainly help the person establish and maintain a stable recovery. So I know my listeners are out there are thinking, so uh, Dr. Dane, how long does a particular treatment plan, let's say for somebody who is uh, an alcoholic, is it one week, two weeks, three months, whatever? Well, it can vary. Uh, in, in the old days, there was a 28-day plan for uh, inpatient treatment, and that really was come up with kind of arbitrarily uh, at the uh, Bossier Treatment Center where we do our inpatient programming. Uh, the people may be there two, three, four, maybe even five weeks. It just depends uh, on how severe and um, responsive to treatment their difficulty is when they come to see us. Um, and in terms of outpatient, it can be very variable. Uh, the IOP is generally a few weeks, uh, and, and the same for uh, outpatient. Outpatient is different from IOP. IOP is a group, of course, and in, uh, outpatient is typically individuals who come to see us once, maybe twice a week, whereas the IOP uh, people come three times a week for a longer period. So the individuals would tell you how they've been doing for the past week That's or right. two weeks, and if they've had any off the off the wagon or off the plan you probably give them a specific plan and that's right hopefully 
curtailing what they may or may not need to do, right? That's right. And part of the treatment plan generally involves what's called skills training, where we teach people the skills necessary to stay abstinent, in other words, not drink or use, and to maintain that. Um, but like any skill set, it's difficult at first, and people don't learn it overnight. I mean, it's something that takes practice. So if somebody has a relapse, we don't just throw them out of treatment. Uh, that would be like going to the doctor and telling them you feel bad, and they say, well, come back when you're ready to feel better. If I weren't ready to feel better, I wouldn't be there, right? So the idea is we use whatever happens in terms of relapse, kind of, as you might say, a rehearsal for success later on. It's, it's a sign that something needs attention, and that's our job is to help people not relapse. So is there a, a peer group that will help them in, in, in their alcoholism problem and their drug abuse problem? Absolutely. Uh, certainly in terms of the IOP, the group itself, the IOP group can be a peer group. But, of course, we also uh, strongly encourage people to attend meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, and other 12-step programs. Uh, AA is kind of the granddaddy of all of them, but there are many 12-step programs now that use similar steps, such as Gamblers Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, and so on. They're all basically similar in the fact that it, they're, they're made up of people who are themselves also in recovery, who have developed a knack for staying sober and straight and being reasonably happy in the process. And the support that those groups give can make all the difference in the world. So regarding seniors and boomers, what types of issues are affecting them? Well, as you might expect, uh, especially with not only opioids, but any, any chemicals, uh, the financial problems may be what, what triggers uh, distress first. And of course, many seniors are on a fixed income, so if you and that, that can be tricky to navigate under the best of circumstances. But then if you factor in uh, the uh, involuntary use of a chemical or other drugs, like alcohol or other drugs, uh, which can be very expensive, uh, then financial situations tend to, to show up pretty early on and be relatively, relatively severe pretty quickly. So, so you, you, you as a counselor would help that particular senior or boomer that comes in and is saying, I'm, I'm having a stressful, and I'm, but, you know, but I'm, I'm drinking a lot, I'm smoking a lot, and you're, you're going to say as a counselor that those are causing your, possibly some of your financial problems, correct? That's right. Generally, when people come to see us initially, what they're aware of is something that's going to be very obvious, and that's good. At least they're aware of something. Uh, they may not yet have uh, made made themselves aware of the ramifications of what, what's been going on. In other words, the financial problems may be uh, very much the reason they came in or that somebody wanted them to. You're drinking yourself out of house and home. Right? We can't continue to take care of you, may, their caretakers may say. And then when we look at that and we look at the, all the other problems that went to bring that financial problem about, then we can developing a plan to help them in their whole life. And, and give us an example of how you would help an individual in that scenario. What, what, what kind of recommendations would you give them? Would you tell them to join? They may be more lonely, and that's why they're so depressed, and that's why they're 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 drinking more, and they're and they're smoking more, and they may be taking other uh, other kind of drugs to. Well, that can certainly play a part in it. Absolutely. Now, loneliness in and of itself obviously doesn't make someone an addict, but it may make it that much more difficult to stay abstinent if the person hasn't dealt with the emotional pain that loneliness causes.
So if, when a person has certain medical problems that when you become, when you do your evaluation, isn't that a particular top possible criteria? They're, they're having serious medical problems, so that causes them to, to become addictive to something? Certainly so. I mean, think of someone, for example, with diabetes, as many older people may, may have. Um, because of their chemical abuse and addiction, they may not uh, manage their diabetes properly, and that can cause, of course, a whole raft of problems all by itself. Uh, but uh, other other uh, physical problems, uh, such as arthritis, uh, can be made worse because they may be less active. Uh, other mental illnesses, other brain-based illnesses, such as depression and anxiety, are going to tend to be made a lot worse. Um, and something that older people, uh, really all of us of a certain age, me included, do at some point is life review. We look back over our life and we kind of take stock of things. That's really hard to do if you're trying to avoid clear thinking because of your chemical use. If I don't even want to look at my drinking, I'm certainly not going to want to look at things in my life that may have caused me to begin doing that. Uh, one of the geniuses of the AA program, for example, and we, we do this in professional treatment also, but one of the geniuses of the AA program is that it invites that kind of, of self-examination. And if we find something that we don't like in our lives, uh, people in AA can can take the steps necessary, literally the steps, the 12 steps, necessary to turn that around. Uh, and we do the same thing with uh, clients in, in uh, professional treatment. So it's both individual as well as group and then as a follow-up. So th th there's a there's a tried and proven record, a tried and proven treatment for any type of of, uh, of addiction, correct? Yeah, we pretty well know what works and what's done, what doesn't work. We are held to the standard of what they call best practices to learn what works well, again, which is pretty well understood, and then to apply those principles so that we're not just floundering, as used to happen a lot in addictions treatment in generations past. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tanning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Caligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Dr. Kent Dean, who is the Director of Clinical Development with the Council on Alcoholism. Alcoholism, or I can't pronounce that word today for some reason, and drug abuse for Northwest Louisiana. He's been giving us some great information about their, their treatment programs to help um, both persons of all ages. So, Dr. Dean, in continuing, you discussed, the, you used the term skills training. What do you mean by that? Well, skills training uh, in any uh, recovery involves doing the things you need to learn to do in order to keep the disease under good management. For example? Well, for example, a diabetic learns how to eat properly and how to exercise and when to eat and when to take their medicine and all of that. Um, in, in addiction treatment, skills training takes on a special importance because one of the things it takes to make an addict is what they call trouble in what they call executive functioning. In other words, the front part of the brain that allows us to figure out what needs to be done from one moment to the next, come up with the steps to do it, and then carry those steps out in specific order is kind of not working very well in people with addiction. That is apparently part of the definition these days of what an addict is. And it's very important because people 
in, in old days, AA used to call uh, relapse slips, and mm. that kind of got discredited for a while. But that's really kind of what happens. People with the best of intentions will start the day with every intention of staying sober and straight, and by the evening time, they will have found that they literally kind of lurched into a relapse, and they did not mean to do that. We now know that what happens is not just craving, but the fact that they haven't learned how to order their day, to plan their day in, a, in some sort of, of uh, logical order, and then to carry out those daily tasks, then they're, they're more, more, more than likely to relapse. So you're, you're saying there's an open window there, there's an open time spot, that yes. they're bored and something triggers and they said, I've got to have this to, to keep right. me going? I guess you might call it a sense of time management, because if somebody has a fully fleshed out day in terms of knowing what they're supposed to be doing, and sticks to that, then they're very much not likely to relapse. The uh, the other aspect I was going to ask you about is that that, that trigger, that skill is they're all around people, family and friends that may be drinking. Yes. And that, that, and that person is addicted to drinking. It triggers him, right? That's right. Or one, of, one of the skills we help people do is to locate and maintain support systems with people who not only understand the need for recovery, but are also either in recovery themselves or at least sympathetic to it so that they're not drinking in front of someone or using other chemicals in front of someone and not offering them alcohol or other drugs. That's, that's critically important. So these these skill trainings is done both on a one-to-one basis or you give them the, the idea of the skill training on a one-to-one or, or at the IOP, the intensive? Uh, both. In both. In both. It's an, very much an individual thing in terms of uh, the level of impairment in uh, front, front brain functioning of people. Now, by impairment, I don't mean to suggest necessarily that it's a full-scale developmental disorder, uh, but it's something that really hasn't been named yet, but it bears a lot of resemblance to attention deficit disorder. Of course, some people mm-hmm. with addiction do have ADD or ADHD, but I- even if they haven't been diagnosed, it's something that is very close to that that could just wreak havoc in their recovery if it isn't dealt with. So I, I think my listeners are thinking about this. So again, how long the treatment? Are you on the treatment forever? Well, no, treatment doesn't last forever. Uh, ideally, recovery does. And to help maintain that, uh, the 12-step programs generally are designed to be attended for life. Um, people don't necessarily relapse if they, they drop out of AA or NA. But the way we look at it is if I can recommend to someone anything that's going to increase their chances of surviving this illness, then I'm duty-bound and honor-bound to suggest it to them. And one of the things we know works for a chronic illness mm-hmm. is chronic, uh, or if you will lifetime participation in some sort of support group said you have that peer pressure that helps it's positive peer pressure positive peer pressure but it's it's like they're gonna absolutely been there done that so you tell the person that and that helps him oh okay so how did how did you resolve this so he helps give the solution to it if you read the big book uh which is a treatise on uh, aa of how aa works a lot of it is based on what was tried in the past and a lot of the uh treatise deals with what did not work uh and then ultimately of course what does work Uh, but it's not something that people just happen on overnight. The, the research and development, you might say, has been done already in terms of the 12-step programs. So let's quickly talk about pain situations with opioids. So why is that becoming more and more of a problem throughout the world? Well, nationwide, and it's, it's still something that is uh, tending to, to be very prominent, uh, nationwide, the use of opioids, which by opioids is meant any substance that uh, 
triggers those opioid receptors in the brain. They can be naturally occurring, such as heroin or morphine. They can also be synthetics, like methadone or Lortab, Lorset, that kind of thing, oxycodone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't really matter. They're all called opioids these right. days. Uh, the, one of the problems with them is that they work so very well in quelling chronic pain that the tendency, of course, is to want to stay on them. But it's it's a, a double-edged sword, very much so. Uh, they, they are very effective, especially at first. But the development of tolerance, in other words, taking more and more to get the same effect, and withdrawal if the person stops suddenly, tends to get worse over time. And oddly enough, uh, if somebody takes an opioid continuously, uh, especially fairly high doses, long enough, there is a tendency for the pain threshold, the sensitivity to pain, to actually go down. In other words, the person becomes more sensitive to pain sometimes because they've been taking the opioids. So nowadays, there's a, a major thrust in medicine to find non-opioid medications that will help with the chronic pain that a lot of seniors find themselves having. Arthritis, bursitis, uh, you, you name it. Have you, you know, when I've seen the reports on television and other other print it doesn't seem like to me it's only targeted to seniors it seems like it's 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 to the young people middle-aged people and older people it's not it's not a target target demographic it's true and in doing the research for our visit today i was noticing that uh, especially in louisiana but i'm sure this is true nationwide uh, people over 54 tend to receive uh, prescriptions for, for pain medicine for longer periods and in higher doses uh, than, than the other demographics. Uh, again, because there's more chronic pain. And, and uh, uh, in the old days, physicians might have given a lot of pain medicine just out of a, an attempt to be helpful because before these other techniques were discovered. Uh, but from the, the doctors I've spoken with, the main emphasis nowadays is on finding non-opioid uh, medications that are not addictive and not habit-forming, uh, that don't cause their own problems. Well, I hope the physicians out there listening to this, because I've had some seniors that saying, well, that's what the doctor gave me. And sure. I said, did you ask for any other op- aspect? Can you ask, you right. know, like you can just try Advil for a while, right? Sure. Or Tylenol. Certainly. And, 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 of course, and have they tried that before? I, the lady said, well, I don't know. I don't think I've taken any of those. That's right. And that can, that might could work. And that's not a, and, and explain, listen, that's not an opioid. Some Correct. are, are, are putting any pain medication whatsoever that you get at CVS or whatever pain medication area is opioids. It That's is right. not. Opioids are a specialized form of pain medication. And they're all, they're all prescriptions. Is that correct? Well, of course, they're over-the-counter uh, pain medicines such as Tylenol and... No, but I mean the opioids. Opioids, yes. They're all prescribed and they're all controlled. Okay, so that's that's one clarification I think that all our listeners need to be aware of. They, they're assuming yeah. these over-the-counter items that are, you know, off the shelf, that that's an opioid. I shouldn't take any of this for my that's relief right. from my minor pain that I might be having. And, uh, of course, I always want to preface and finish any discussion of this with the reminder to our listeners that the... Uh, what what you take in terms of pain management or anything else is strictly a conversation between you and your physician. True. Uh, they're, they're your best guide. They're your only guide, really, in terms of, of medications. So if, if someone goes to an AA meeting, for example, and they take uh, Lortab as it's supposed to be taken, if somebody at the meeting gives them a hard time for that, well, the person that did that is an error, not the person who's taking it. Because part of giving opioids is obviously, as any, any medicine, is managing uh, how the person is doing with it over a period of time and if problems are spotted then taking appropriate action so it's it's supposedly it's an epidemic and hopefully it will be 
controlled, or con do we think what's well, the plan for the future? Do you, the, do you know? Have you part seen of this is, yeah, it is an epidemic, but the bright part is that it, we're also aware of it now, whereas we weren't before. That I, I see personally a great deal more emphasis uh, on the, the uh, difficulty with opioids, even at the national level. Um, and where there is knowledge, there is power. And at some point, people, uh, we, we as a nation, can learn uh, enough. Uh, both medically and uh, just a layperson to create uh, more, uh, more, I guess, what am I trying to say, more uh, comfort with the idea that an opioid is not necessarily the only drug that you can take. Sure. But again, that's between the person and their doctor. But doctors are becoming much more knowledgeable about this, too, and very that's quickly. Good. That's great. Uh, that's a positive news right there. So before we close, I do want to ask you, in your experience with this organization, the CAD, in the area, have, have there what's the percentage of positive outcomes? I mean, have you have you uh, affected and Im impacted tens of thousands, and you think that those could have been definitely saved their lives, less disability, less mental condition? Do we do we know anything? Do we do well, we capture the kind of data outcome? We data? are actually in the in the course now of an outcome study because those are important. What we can say, and it's kind of an obvious statement, but it but it's true. If people follow the guidelines. If patients follow the guidelines that we give them on discharge, and if they may, and if they continue uh, taking care of themselves and managing their disease, um, the relapse rate goes way, way down, and the quality of life goes way up. You know that much we can say for certain. Good. It's unavoidable. Well, that, that's a positive thing. So your website is www.cadanwla.org. Again, that's right. www.cada um, C A D A N W. It's Northwest L A dot O R G. Their uh, phone number for a confidential call and information is three one eight two 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 eighty five eleven. That's two 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 eighty five eleven. And you'll and they'll call that and they'll take care of the rest. That's right. And I do want to stress it is confidential. Uh, even the first call, it's covered under the confidentiality laws. So yeah, feel feel free to call us again if you think there's a problem. Give us a call. So you can also apply your for your services on your website as That's I right. mentioned so you don't, if you don't want to make the call you can you can apply the information and some the therapist will will either call them visit them whatever right That's right uh, is it better for them to come to you or do you to come to them uh, we'll do whatever it takes if we need to come to them we'll do that and if they want to come to us that's fine too and you mentioned earlier that uh, it doesn't matter you'll you'll go through the sources of uh, of, of payment and, and try the best to find some coverage for them, but if not, it's it's totally covered for we you. We will right? find a way to help. Well, that that is that is positive. So again, if our list, so before we close, explain to our listeners out there if them, their loved ones, family members, friends have the following situations, what should they do? How should they call? Why should they call? Tell them well, the conditions. If if someone's using or drinking is causing anyone concern. Given the human nature to deny problems, because nobody really wants to dwell with problems, so part of normal human functioning is a certain tendency to not see things that we don't want to see. But so if if the current situation is kind of broken through that, and anyone has any concern at all that can be traced to the use of alcohol or other drugs, that's when we that's where we come in. And it, and it could be even I'm, I'm I hate to say this, it could be even a, a grandchild, that, an older grandchild yes, that may could. be in college or, or, or in, in high school that may be a to some yes. of this, and that the family member, but the grandparents may see more of it than the family sees it, right? That's right. 
and we have programs that can help even younger people, and certainly our adult programs deal with people 18 and up. So one way or the other, we got you covered. That's good. That's good. Well, thank you, Dr. Uh, thank you so much. Dr. Dean, for joining us today. It was quite interesting, and I wish you the very best in in finding and treating uh, many of the people in the northwest Louisiana area to to help them in this particular time of need. Thank you, Gary. It's been a pleasure to be with you. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're with my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, Senate Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keys. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour here on News Radio 710 Keel. Thank you for listening to our show today. Hope that you would join us next Saturday for another show at 9.05 a.m. That could benefit you or your loved ones. We do ask that you please support our advertisers who make our magazine the best of times possible, as well as thanking the advertisers who advertise during this radio show and tell them that you enjoy listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of the Best of Times at one of our 522 distribution locations throughout the Shreveport, Bossier, and surrounding areas. Again, each and every issue of the Best of Times is available available on our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com that you can view current, past issues, our current Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory, as well as to listen to previously broadcast radio shows of the Best of Times Radio Hour. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Best of Times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for The Best of Times. This is News Radio 710 Keel. K-E-E-L. Shreveport Bossier.